0: Well, good morning, Lindsley Avenue. Good to see everybody again this morning. Very glad that everyone is here. I want to spend a few moments today talking about First Peter chapter one, kind of the second half of First Peter chapter one. And the focus I want us to bring to that passage is on the idea of being children of God, what Peter says about that and what that should mean to us. We're going to walk through the text fairly specifically, one phrase or two at a time. So if you have your Bibles want to turn over 1 Peter chapter 1, you'll be able to follow along with us uh, with the uh, presentation, with the screens as we go through it. So picking up with what uh, Thoreau read just a moment ago, we read, Therefore, preparing your minds for action, being sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And that last phrase is a quote from three different verses in the book The quote was repeated three times in the book of Leviticus You shall be holy, for I am holy. So, picking up there with the first phrase, therefore, preparing your minds for action. The King James uh, renders that, gird up the loins of your mind. Well, that's another example of where I have suggested that uh, the King James may not be the easiest way to communicate to people because. I really don't suspect any of us have said you know, as we're getting ready to go on a trip or ready to go into a business meeting or something, all right, everyone, you know, gird up the loins of your mind. You know, nobody talks that way anymore. And that phrase may, in fact, not have a whole lot of meaning. And so the English Standard Version, which is where this is from, translates that picture that we're not familiar with to what it really meant in the same time. Mm-hmm. Prepare your mind, get ready. The original phrase actually meant the idea of, If you were wearing a toga, you would pull it up a bit so that you weren't going to trip over it. Tie it kind of with a belt or tie it together up here so your legs were much more able to be running and ready for action. You weren't going to trip over uh, the clothes you were wearing. Prepare your minds for action uh, and be ready to go. Being sober minded. Prepare your minds for action and it's time to get serious. Time to get serious in mind and purpose. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now we have grace today, absolutely we have grace today, but that grace is going to be known in a very full complete measure at the revelation of Jesus Christ and it's a hope for that grace. right? Set your hope fully on the grace that's going to be brought to you. There's one characteristic that ought to be easily recognized with Christian people, followers of Jesus. It really ought to be hope. Because we live in hope, we can endure anything in the present. The, The roughest situation, the toughest situation would be to be going through something in the present with no real hope for change or difference in the future. For the christian the best is always still to come i don't care what you may think of your present circumstances no matter how fabulous your present circumstances may be if they are fabulous it doesn't matter no matter where you may be in the present whether in a really rough spot where things are better than they used to be where things are going pretty okay or things seem to all be going like crazy in the right direction the best for all followers of jesus is still to come in the future we can live with with gratitude for the mercies and the joys that we've had in the past but with a resolution to meet the challenge of the future with the hope and the knowledge that the best is yet to be that's the real defining characteristic of what followers of jesus ought to show if we find someone who is a follower of Jesus who's not showing hope and confidence for the future, then in that sense, they've been overcome by the problems of the present. And that's where we would come into play to help them put their minds back on the hope of what is in fact yet to come. He then continues on again in this latter part of it. It says, as obedient children, as obedient children, Thinking here of Ephesians 6, children obey your parents. This phrasing as obedient children, children who are doing what they have been asked or told to do. It's a very common phrasing that was found in the Greek Old Testament. So uh, Peter is, is using a phrase that his hearers would have been very familiar with. Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. You know, the way we used to live is not how we're supposed to live today. If our minds are ready for action, which is what Peter said in the opening part of these verses today, if our minds are ready for action, what action? What action? Actions related to sin and the way we used to live, or actions as obedient children. You know, In Romans chapter 12, Paul had said, do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed. Do not pour yourself into the mold of the way we used to be. The way people who have not yet become followers of Jesus are still living. As children of our Father, we are to live differently. We are to live differently. How do we live differently? Paul would say by the renewing of our mind, by having our mind and our ways of thinking clear and change to focus on God rather than on ourselves. Acts 17, verse 30, Paul, when he's in Athens, which we'll be talking about on Wednesday night in a couple of weeks, Paul told the people in Athens, the philosophers, the times of ignorance God overlooked in the past, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Whatever happened in the past is in the past. Now, God commands everyone to repent. But as he, God, who has called you as holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, because I am holy, for I am holy. God is supremely different. That's really what holy means. Supremely different. Separate. Not like. Anything or anyone else well, Isaiah 6 3 Holy, holy, holy Is the Lord of hosts The whole earth is full Of his glory He says because God is holy Since God is holy Because he is holy You also be holy In all your conduct How are we to be holy? Well we can't be holy in a sense in the same way God is holy because God is Supremely uniquely different But because God is different we are to be different in what way Peter says in all of our conduct our standard is God not how we used to live what does that mean in our day-to-day conduct being holy means keeping our language pure keeping our language pure if you were to record our language and play it back compared to someone who is not a member of God's family, not a follower of Jesus, playing them together, our language should stand out because it shouldn't sound like people talk who are not followers of Jesus. Our language should be pure. We should not be watching impure things. Whatever goes into the eyes stays inside, and that can affect whether we act and speak as pure holy people. Being sexual only within marriage. Not being intoxicated. It's rather difficult to control our thoughts and actions if we aren't aware of our thoughts and actions. Not being full of anger or hatred and all sorts of things. God calls those kinds of behaviors sinful. He does. Being holy means being godlike in living the way he wants us. That's what being holy means. Again, if you were to have someone record my day versus recording the day of someone who is not a follower of Jesus, would it look different? Would it look different? It ought to. Absolutely right. It ought to look different. If it doesn't, if the person who's not a follower of Jesus is using uh, inappropriate language, or they're intoxicated, or they're being impure, or they're doing activities they shouldn't be. And you look at my day, and it's the same. I'm not really doing what God wants, which is to be different. God is love, and so my life ought to be focused on love, not sin, and not love. Since it is written, Right back to the text. Since it is written, it's he who has called you is holy. You will also be holy in all of, the, all of your conduct. Why? Because it is written. That kind of somewhat of a formal introductory phrase is used many times when referencing scripture. It means a quote is coming, an authoritative quote from something God has said before. Right. When you see that phrase, there's no doubt that what follows is coming from God. And in this case, you shall be holy. Why? God says, because I am holy. Three times in Leviticus. We talked about that a moment ago. Three times that phrase occurs. Not just once or twice, but three times. I suspect that's to make sure we don't miss it. Right? If you ever, you know, remember back to when you we were at home as a youngster? Remember? Did mom ever tell you something more than once? She had to in me why the first time in and out right right from one ear out the other is what they used to say second time god here says it three separate times because he really wants us to know i need to be different why because god is different i need to be like god i need to live my life more like god than the way i used to before i came to know jesus so does god want me to live as i used to be to live differently? No to guess. We know the answer to that. I need to live differently. And if you call on Him as Father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, calling out to God, praying to God, if you call on Him as Father, well, that, this brings an interesting little aside. If you look at how God's relationship to all of us is described throughout the history of the Bible, there's some interesting changes from Genesis and Exodus. Often referred to it as the God of your fathers. God sounds as if he's something your your fathers, your ancestors used to speak to. To my father, my God in Psalm 89. To Malachi saying, "Have we not one Father?" To Matthew, New Testament times, our Father who is in heaven. God is close to all of us today. He's been close all along but our knowledge of the fact that he is close has been told to us. If you call on him his father who judges impartially, you know, on the day of judgment, the rich person's not going to be able to pull any kind of shenanigans and get away from what they've done in the past. You know, our judgment today is supposed to be impartial. We all know it sometimes doesn't seem to turn out that way. God cannot be bribed. God's judgment is going to be impartial. God shows no impartiality, is what Paul said in Romans 2. According to each one's deeds, God's going to judge impartially according to what we have done. Jesus is going to do the same thing over in 2 Corinthians 5. We are told, for we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So that each one may receive what is due for what we have done in the body, We all have an appointment in the future. Every single one of us. You, me, everyone who's ever lived will at some point stand before Jesus at what's called the judgment seat. Think of the picture of standing before the judge in the court. And we've got to give an answer for the things we have done while we were alive. Our actions. What answer am I going to give to the times that I live for myself? There is no answer. <clears throat> Even to say it this way, there ain't no answer. Good news for those who live for Jesus. The answer is, I am sinful, but I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I am a member of God's family. That's the only possible answer.
1: Because we're all going to
0: have to give an account and if I'm not a follower of Jesus what answer do I have? I don't have that. I don't have that. Conduct yourselves with fear, right? If I call on God as my father and remember he's going to judge impartially and we're all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ, how should I be living now? I need to live my life, my conduct needs to be really thought through every day with fear, not because I'm shaking, but with respect for the fact that God is my Father wants me to live the way I'm supposed to be living. I I know I'm repeating myself, right? Sometimes I do that because I want to make sure that I say things in different ways, but that's what Peter's doing here. We need to be holy, we need to live the way we should be living, not the way we used to be living. If we call on God as our Father, we need to conduct ourselves with fear throughout the time, he says, of our exile. And what an interesting thought. Throughout the time of our exile. You know, if somebody's exiled, they're sent away from home, right? In the old days, they used to have to, they were banished. Think of the king. He would banish someone from the kingdom. Well, the language being used here is that while we're living here on the earth, we're actually away from home. We're in exile now, living here on the earth. Where does that suggest home really is? Back where we came from, where we're going. The Christian is just a stranger, a sojourner, an exile here in the world. This world is not our home. It's not. What happens here is not anywhere near as important as where we are going. Where we are going. Knowing that you were ransomed, right? I'm an exile here and now, and the way I'm going to get home is to have that penalty, that price that has to be paid for all these choices I have made, to be paid. But how do I possibly pay it? What answer can I give for the choices I have made to live for myself? Again, there ain't no answer. Jesus is the one who's given the answer. Jesus is the one who has paid the price for the things I have done. If I'm a follower of Jesus, a member of God's family. I was ransomed from the futile ways, the pointless ways inherited from your forefathers, the way of death where we were walking, living for ourselves, doing what we wanted to do instead of what we really knew God wanted us to do. Knowing that you were ransomed, how? How was I ransomed? Not with some perishable thing such as gold or silver, but with the precious blood of Christ, that of a lamb without blemish or spot. You know, a ransom is usually paid with money or gold. But in the news these days, there are all these uh, cyber criminals, right? The ransomware that lock up computer systems. They're being paid with this thing called Bitcoin. Give me five hours to talk about it, and I bet I still can't explain everything. Bitcoin is supposed to be. But it's certainly some kind of money-like thing, right? And so if people who were ransomed, even if you think of older times, money was dropped off, the criminal got it, and they released whoever they were kidnapped. Well, in this sense, I've been ransomed not with money, not with silver or gold, but I've been ransomed by the most precious thing there is, the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Ephesians 2.13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Those of us who used to be so far away from God, living for ourselves, living in lust, living impure, living intoxicated, living lies, whatever it may be, If we had been living for ourselves, we were so far away from God. and still had that appointment to answer for what we were doing. But now, with what Jesus has done for us, we used to be so far away, but now Jesus has brought us back to God. He's reconciled us to God. He's brought us near to God because He has paid the price answer for all these things that we did in the past. Now, if I continue living like I used to live, do you expect Jesus is going to be looking at us going, what are you doing? You're supposed to be living differently now. How can you go back? How can you go back? That's up to us. we make making choices of living differently than we used to live because of what Jesus did for us. The blood of Jesus, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. 24 times back in that book of Leviticus, where it said, You need to be holy because I am holy, right? 24 times, God had said that a sacrifice had to be without blemish. You know, you're not going to get a piece of wilted lettuce and put it on the plate to serve the God. It's got to be the best there is. And the best, only possible sacrifice for our sins. Was, is the life of Jesus who lived with no sin. And he gave himself for me. He gave himself for you. Why? So that I would be different. Remember, again, the language we talked about, reporting my life, was reporting the life of someone who's not a follower of Jesus. There has to be a difference. When we become a member of God's family, it's not to be clear that we're not living for ourselves at all. Jesus was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest, appeared, was shown in the last times for the sake of you, who through him, who through Jesus, are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope were in God. That's where it needs to be, no matter what I face every day, that faith and hope needs to be in God. Jesus, and the role he would fill, was known before the world was ever created by God. He was shown in the Incarnation in those last times. Why? So that we might be believers in God and have faith and hope in Him. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for sincere brotherly love, becoming members of God's family by obeying the truth, which is, understand what Jesus did for you, change your life from wrong to right. And as I usually say at the very end of the sermon, By being immersed in water, which he tells us to be, to be baptized, to show that I'm dying to the old way I used to be, and I'm going to be raised up to be a different new person. When I become that new person, what am I supposed to do? Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. We are to have a deep, sincere, intense love for one another. You know? have to understand what my brothers and sisters are going for. What they feel. What they think. What they hope. What they need. Why? Because we're family. Because we are family. This is not some sort of a social gathering where, uh, you know, somebody is a, is a fan of the Titans and somebody else is a fan of the Titans and say, hey, ready to see your brother? Go Titans and then everybody goes home or something. This is supposed to be family in the same way as if we were born to the same father, the same mother. Because guess what? If we're followers of Jesus, we have been born again to the same father. We are family. Every bit as much as if you have a physical brother or sister. And we have to love one another from a pure heart. sometimes i worry that maybe our hearts aren't as pure as they ought to be maybe that's why love isn't shown the way it's supposed to be having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love love one another earnestly intensely from a pure heart since you have been born again we talked about that that's this process of being immersed in water you've been born again not of a perishable seed but of an imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For another quote here, this is from Isaiah, the italics. All flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower of but the word of the Lord remains forever. The way we know what God wants us to do is through his word. And that word, hearing that word and the word coming into our heart is what motivates us generates in us the desire to change the way we live the desire to become a follower of jesus he says since you have been born again that's why you love one another because we're now members of the same family not of perishable seed but of imperishable seed the seed we are born from is not going to go away it's not going to perish it's not going to wither Through the living and abiding Word of God, the source of truth. You can't find truth by staring into a a, a, a candle. You can't find truth by smelling some sort of incense. You can't find truth by just staring up into the sky. Truth comes from hearing what God has to say. And that's found in the Bible. That's found in the Word He has left for us. We are remade by that entry of that seed, the word coming into our hearts. And that picture really comes, you can think about it from a parable Jesus gave, the parable of the sower back in Matthew 13. Explaining it, Jesus says, and as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word, understands it, pulls it into his heart, understands it, and that individual bears the fruit. The first fruit is changing the way we ourselves live. And when we're living differently, that will affect others around us. It will. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. This message of Jesus that we try to share each week, that we ought to share each day by how we live, living differently. People saying, why is it that you're never talking the way Joe talks over here? Why is it that you're not doing these things these other people doing? the answer can simply be, I just try to be a follower of Jesus and love people. Right up here in our heads. So if I am a follower of Jesus, if I have obeyed the word that was preached, if I have become someone who's living differently, look at what he says. Put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, like babies Long for the pure spiritual milk That by it you may grow up into salvation If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good This is the good news that was preached to you The the, the word that Jesus came That he lived and died for you That he lived and died for me So, or therefore for this reason Since we have been born again We are to be holy because of everything we've said this morning so far, everything Peter was talking about, for that reason, what? So, as he says right there, do what? Put away. The language here is idea of changing clothes. You know, if you've been feeding pigs, pigs, that's not usually just dirt and mud there in the pig pens. A lot of other more filthy stuff. If you're in there monkeying around with the pigs what's all over your clothes, again, it isn't just dirt, it isn't just mud, it's going to smell a lot worse than dirt and mud. You're not going to go and meet the king wearing clothes that stink like that. shouldn't. So if that's what's on my clothes, if that's what's on me because of the way I've been living, put away. Take it off. It's time to change your clothes. It's time to change my clothes. It's time to live differently. So, put away, put off these behaviors from the way we used to live them. which are what? All malice. That's a very general word just for evil. Put away wishing evil on people. Put away doing evil things to people. And all deceit, that language is to catch something with bait. You know, the fish is kind of stupid, right? The fish doesn't know there's a hook. On that wiggly worm, does it? The fish just says, somebody's dangling the food for me. Thank you so much. Chomp, and then what happens? Ow! Because that looks got it. Sometimes that's the way we treat people. We are deceitful. We lead them to think one thing and it's actually something else. Don't do that. I'm not suggesting don't be a fisherman. Right, if you want to fish, fish. That's okay. Being deceitful to the fish is okay, not to other people. And hypocrisy. Pretending to be one thing when you're really something else. That's that's essentially lying. Being involved in hypocrisy is lying. And envy. So long as self remains active, so long as I'm thinking of what I want, what I should have, I'm going to want things other people have. Got to put that away. Can't be wanting things somebody else has because really that's saying I'm still thinking of myself. Can't do it. And all slander. Usually, when you're talking bad about somebody else, it's because you want to bring them down to where you are. With all these, if they're present, you really can't be loving people. How can I love people if I'm deceitful? How can I love people if I have hypocrisy? I'm trying to pretend I'm somebody I'm not. How can I love people if I'm talking bad about them? How can I love people if I just have evil in my heart for somebody? You're not. If you've got these, you're not loving people. Like newborn babies long for pure spiritual milk. You know, babies sure seem to long for milk. Unfortunately, as I recall, it usually was around 3 in the morning. pointing at my son over there. I remember that. Why? Babies don't care what time it is they want milk when they need it, when they're hungry. That ought to be us. We need to long for milk, which is in fact the word that God has left for. And it really shouldn't matter, You shouldn't long for it only Sunday mornings at 10.30. Long for the milk. I want to know what God will say to me. I want to read what He has said to me. I want to know what He wants from me. That spiritual milk. In Hebrews 5, we read, Although well, by this time you want to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles Of the oracles of god you need milk not solid food for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he's only a child i need to know what god says to me i need to know what's written what jesus said what god has said to me i need to know how i'm supposed to live because jesus has saved me from the way i used to be By that word, then, we may grow up into salvation. Babies are really cute, but not when they need to shave. You ever seen a baby who actually needed to shave in the morning? Shouldn't, but sometimes grown people who need to shave still acting like babies, aren't they? Well, if I'm a follower of Jesus, if I've been studying what Jesus wants me to be, it's one thing to be a brand new child of God. That is a baby. The baby's trying to figure things out. And doesn't know any better. But if I've been trying to listen to what Jesus and God have to say for years, time to grow up. Can't be a baby. and need to shave every morning. How do I become a grown-up in God's service? If indeed you've tasted the Lord's good and we have, the only way to grow is to focus on the Word so here's what I want to encourage us all this next week. Look for the milk. Look for the word. Read what God has to say to you. And I will do the same about how I'm supposed to live. One way is to read back through 1 Peter chapter 1, whether that's in the handout that you have or can get, or in a Bible itself. 1 Peter chapter 1. And if you don't have one that you can read through this week, we'll be glad to get you one. See what God wants of us. What he wants is, if you're a member of God's family, you've got to be different. You've got to be different. Now, if you're a member of God's family and your life doesn't look any different than someone who's not a member of God's family, you need to change. You need to come back to what Jesus wants you to be. And if we can pray for you this morning, if you will come and say, I need to live better than I have been, we will gladly approach God on your behalf as we all need to do better and we will ask God to forgive and give you strength and power to be a better person if however you're not yet a member of God's family then you really need to get your life the direction it needs to be Jesus came and died so you will not have to answer before the judgment seat of Christ for all the things that you have done that's an appointment we all have only hope with that appointment Is to be someone that has followed Jesus. And you do that by understanding that he lived and died for you. You do that by deciding to change your life and to start living more for uh, Jesus than to live for yourself. And you need to be immersed to die in the old ways of living so that Jesus will forgive you for all those things you've done in the past. If either of those describe you, if either of those are things we can help you with this morning... Please, please don't let this time slip away. Come um, as we stand. And sing.